reward and the whole thing just goes off just like clockwork and we walk them up we do a sting to walk them up and then we play their thank you video and then i do a little bit of sting and then they're back to the lectern and they say okay for best interior decorating for a home under three thousand square feet the, the uh winner the, the silver award winners are and they read off like seven groups architects whatever and then they say the winner is blah 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 i play them up we play their thank you video but you know we end up with like a bazillion thank you videos that we have to pick you know 40 out of the mess <laughs> but it's been working really well they they, they can't wait to get back in the ballroom though but 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 it's working. <laughs> well, Bruce, you lost me when you started using all that math. I, I you know, when the, there's too many numbers, I just said, oh, my God, it I was, can't follow it. Was it. Was it. Like, it was riveting. It was riveting. I gets like, on a bus, is... you know, guy gets on a bus, four people get off, three people do get on one. Could, what was the bus driver wearing? You know, and that's then the horse, the horse goes into a bar, right? <laughs> yeah. And, hey, buddy, why the long face? <laughs> Kenny, Kenny, it's time. I wonder who hey, what's said it time first? for? What's the time for, Ken? Is it? Are we on the air? Are we on hey, the air? Hey, welcome everybody! Welcome everybody on Facebook and YouTube and 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 points up in Mars. We're beaming to the press. We're be we're beaming to the rover right now. Absolutely, using the DPA mic. Uh, before you guys got in the room, I was giving a. Uh, I don't do many impersonations, but right now I will do an impersonation of a DPA mic on Mars. <laughs> All right, there you go. That sounds uh, that just sounds like it. If you haven't heard it, you've heard it now first. Uh, by the way, so just uh, an FYI, welcome to the Soundbroker Mastermind group here. This is, uh, you know, the way I look at it, this is better than therapy. This is this is a, an opportunity to have a good time with people, like-minded people. Uh, just remember this, uh, COVID won't be here forever, but you guys will be, I hope. So the idea is how do we get through these tough times so that we're here when COVID is over? And just remember, you're going to hear a lot of opinions today, a lot of opinions. You can hear a lot of things. Some are true. Some are make-believe. It's up to you to do your own research. Everything's an opinion. So welcome to the show. And I hope everybody um, has had a great week. We'll just run around the room here really quickly to say hi to everybody. There's some new people in the room. Uh, and uh, I want to say hi, a special a special hello to Stephen Legorio, who's here from El Paso, Texas. He just got back his lights and power, you know. Um, you know, uh, when the last time I saw him, he had a full head of hair. But what I heard, he was in the barbershop when the power went off. Uh, that was it. And uh, it was it was rough. It was rough. Um, so anyway, um, a lot of things have gone on this week. A lot of things have gone on and I'd like to know how everybody's doing. But before I ask you, I just want to say I got my first shot, my first Moderna, you know, vaccine shot. And I am liberated. I feel like a new woman. I swear. I feel like I feel like my life is coming back to me. And I am really, really happy about that because I've been really worried that you know that it would I would never see I would never see the daylight again of a non-COVID world, but as we all know, Texas is opening up, Missouri is opening up, so we've got a lot to talk about. But in the meantime, let's go around the room. How's everybody doing? Who wants to? Who wants to? Who, who, who's had a good week? Anybody have a good week? Anybody make some money this week? Oh, don't make me cry. <laughs> got, got my second shot today. <laughs> All right, that's the second child. What what did you get? Uh, it's Pfizer. Hey, that's a good one. That's nice and cold. It's like pop one right down. That's good. <laughs> I got, Bruce? My first, got my first shot Saturday. Did some Moderna. It was at Rite Aid. It worked out really well. My arm was sore for a little about two days, but I'm fine now. Yeah. Nothing's right. fallen off yet. 
<laughs> oh, that's good. That's a good thing. I think I've lost a few toenails, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, so what else is going on? Who else has got a shot? Let's just show hands. How many people have gotten their vaccinations? Wow. Dave, David, you got you got both shots, right, David? And which, which one did you get, Moderna or Pfizer? I got Pfizer. Drive through uh, Cal State Northridge. And the second shot, your reaction to the second shot was? Nothing. I was a little bit sore, but not much. And uh, I think that was it. Myrna was yeah, the it was just Myrna was drive through. Nothing. Was, drive through? was it drive through? Yeah. How slow did Cal you have to go? Cal State Northridge? Yeah. The wait was. Uh, no. How slow? He said, how slow did you have to go? That's pretty how funny. Slow? Yeah. I mean, we were driving your car. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah no, they, have a, they have a moving sidewalk and they, <laughs> you just keep going. David, uh, David, did they ask you if you wanted fries with that? I did. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so basically, from what I understand right now, as of Monday, 24.8 million people in the United States, uh, that's 7.5% of the population was vaccinated as of Monday. And now, I agree with whoever, whoever, Whatever dog is saying that, I agree completely. Uh, that dog has got the right idea and the right attitude. That's what I like about that dog, you know? Uh, good dog. Okay. So anyway, as I was saying, so now the FDA just granted Johnson & Johnson the emergency use approval, and they are projecting that 4 million doses will get out into the system, uh, which, would give that, which, which would give them a 20 million by the end of March, which basically would double it in regards to the vaccinations. So we are definitely on the way. And with that in mind, Texas has opened up, Missouri has opened up, uh, a few other states have opened up. So now all of a sudden, I'm sure Florida has already been open, you know, and we've got people in the room, uh, Steve from El Paso. So now how many shows have uh, opened up right now? How many full stadium concerts are going on in your neck of the woods right now, now that Texas has opened up? Absolutely nothing, zero. It's been zero since uh, mid-March of last year, and uh, we're hoping it'll open up. I think uh, our governor's kind of jumping the gun, announcing yesterday that everything would be open, all restaurants, everything 100%. None of the venues, promoters, or um, artists that I deal with are even thinking about doing anything until earliest May, June, maybe. We'll see. You know, I'm hopeful. Uh, I just don't think it's going to happen overnight. Now, didn't you have a lot to do with building the hospitals down there, the field yeah, hospitals? We, we Talk about together, that. We put together at least, well, we put together one infusion clinic and one 200-bed hospital, temporary hospital, um, because it was bad here. Our hospitals were, our normal hospitals were overrun, and we had a hard time. We just dismantled the last of the hospital beds that we added last week. And we still have an infusion clinic that's open. So for the governor to say, we're all good, all clear, everything's going to be 100% open at this point, I really believe he's jumping the gun. And we'll, we'll see. I mean, we're not like the rest of Texas. We're way out here by ourselves. And it was not bad here for a long time. And when it got bad here, it got really bad here. And then, of are course, people had, uh, continuing to wear masks. Are the masks required any longer or um, is that working? 
everyone here in town seems to have fallen along the lines of wearing a mask. Very few people that I see are not. I mean, I'm double masking it. When I go out, I did a TV uh, football game the other day, the first mixing gig I've had in a year. And I double masked it because we were, you know, in a closed TV trailer for a long time. So uh, everyone's being careful uh, around here. We don't see a lot of people with the flags flying, you know, we're not going to wear a mask. We don't care about that. But that's West Texas. We're a Democrat type area of Texas, the only part of Texas. And uh, the, the rest of Texas is a little different story. Um, they're being forced to wear masks. No one here has said you have to wear a mask except the store owners, you know, are putting up the signs that you got to wear a mask if you plan to shop in that store. Um, of course, federal government buildings are mandated, but for the most part, people around here are wearing masks. It's, it's rare that somebody isn't. Wow, that's was really there, cool. Was there, a, was there a state law or mandate uh, requiring mask wearing? And if so, um, did it go away recently? The state mandate for state buildings and uh, the state mandate for uh, restaurants and bars is set to end next week on Wednesday, a week from today. Uh, and bars are gonna be set to go from 25% occupancy, uh, back up to 100% occupancy next Wednesday. All just, restaurants, bars and everything, so. Just in time to turn St. Patrick's Day into a super spreader event. And that's crazy because it, here, uh, all of the super spreader events like Thanksgiving, meeting with your family, Christmas dinner, those things, families, extended families in this part of Texas, they're huge. I have friends who have 20, 30 cousins that live here in town and they go to very large family gatherings. That's, that's the norm. Even those people have been very good about staying home, staying in and trying to curb this thing. I mean, for a while, yes, we were completely run over. For a few days, I know doctors in emergency rooms who were forced to make that decision. This guy needs a ventilator that guy needs a ventilator. This guy has a better chance of surviving. That guy doesn't. So we're going to have to give the ventilator to this guy who has a chance to survive. They had to make those decisions right here, which never should happen. You know, we ran out of stuff. Yeah, it shouldn't have happened. But then again, then again, Nostradamus predicted that we would be having a, a zombie apocalypse this year. And, you know, of course, he's right about everything. And you, you might think I'm kidding around about this. Of course, you have to check your own facts, but we will put a link in the show notes that there's actually a page on the uh, CDC's website right now, very right now, talking about the zombie apocalypse. It's preparedness 101 zombie apocalypse. We'll throw And basically what they're saying is that this is the year that we're going to have these zombie apocalypse. So maybe it will start in Texas. Maybe it'll start in Missouri. Maybe it'll start in Florida. You know, Tim, what's going on over there in Missouri? What's happening there? How many big shows you guys got going on? I'm looking for another Tim that's from Missouri. Uh, oh. I'm in Kansas, so we're next door. Uh, right now, I can, from what I can tell, nothing. Ah, flyover uh, country, that's what I say, flyover uh, country. You know, you can, you can still land in Kansas City, and we build all the general aviation aircraft in Wichita, so, you know, come visit your Learjet. Oh, no, you can't come visit Learjet. They're closing down here. Uh, what we have seen is uh, any in our county, in my county, Sedgwick County, we have uh, any venue with a thousand or greater capacity has to have a permit from the health department and a COVID-19 plan, or they can't even do the show. 
So Kansas has not reopened. Our county health director says don't make decisions for political reasons. That was just uh, in his quote on the news a couple minutes ago. Uh, I think we're probably reasonably another month or so out. We've got roughly, I think, about 15 percent of the Kansas population vaccinated. And that's still not enough to actually just kind of throw away your masks and party like it's 2019 again. Uh, But infection numbers are down. Hospitalizations are down. New case numbers are down. I think we only had 100 statewide or maybe in the county last week. It was significantly less. Uh, But to go on what Stephen just said, um, if we get in our way back machine and only go back a little bit, like to July of 2020, we'll see that there were a lot of cases, you know, we had a lot of unrest. People were thinking things were getting better. The numbers had come down from what we were seeing in April and May. And uh, there was a lot of domestic unrest from people who thought that the draconian measures or what they perceived as draconian needed to go. And so Texas was one of those states that loosened restrictions and three weeks later were filling their hospitals. I genuinely hope Texas does not do that again. I'm not a medical person. I don't know what will happen, but I'm saying that if we even look back at relatively recent history, uh, some people will be visiting family members, not at Easter thanks or Easter celebrations, but in uh, the hospital. And that once you factor spring break into that with the huge amount of alcohol that goes with spring break and an absolute lack of social distancing or mask wearing by people under the age of 30 uh, in those kind of situations, I think you're going to see a huge blow up in cases in Texas. And I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I will be. Well, Tim, I love your optimism. Absolutely. It's so it's uplifting and positive. Well, this Um, comes, Jan, this comes back to this comes back to two things. And I have no shortage of opinions here. And I'm going to give some other people a chance in a second. And I'm going to mute my mic. But the whole thing is, is this was the time. Sure, this was time to help the travel and tourism industries rebound. And frankly, they need it. I mean, don't don't misunderstand me here. I'm not anti-business. I'm not anti-tourism. I make my living off other people's discretionary incomes. But I'm not going back out to what's safe. I'm not going to recommend that my clients do unsafe things. And this was done so that tourism areas that depend on large quantities of really drunk people to make their living have a chance at recovering some of what they lost last year. I don't necessarily think that 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 desire is a bad thing. I fully understand it. I've been unemployed. I worked four days since March 13th of 2020. So Uh, I'm very sympathetic to those desires. However, this is one of those cases where if they would get us over that St. Patrick's Day hump without a big spike in infections, I think Texas would do well to look at, say, mid-April, you know, tax day, freedom day. Here here we are. We can open back up because we lost that. The next thing they would have to worry about would be Memorial Day. And that's a really big that's a that's a 30 day or more gap in there without big potentially spreading events or holidays, but that works exactly opposite of the need for revenue and commerce. And that's the balance that Texas is trying to strike and they're balancing it in the favor of commerce and not in the favor of public health, whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. I make no value judgment. I merely point out that it is what it is. And well put, very, very well put. Rod, you're up in Pennsylvania, right? Am I correct? Are you in up in Pennsylvania? What's going on up there? Uh, I haven't been following it a whole lot, but, uh, the first weekend of May just got canceled, which was a festival. I got like a dance recital. Most of my stuff is at mainly one venue this year, which is an outside venue. 
Um, so we've got a couple weekends, but he's he's booked all the way into October. He doesn't care. So we're hoping that something lifts because what we just lost Cheryl Crow, uh, Steve Miller, and Jeff Dunham all got bumped to next year. But you know, Sticks wants to play. We might get them again. We have live third eye blind. You know, they're all still in the running if you know we can just get something going. Um, but as of right now, the first weekend May's out, I got a, two smaller events festivals going on but you know we're all just the same thing we're just waiting are we going to have it or not are they going to let us have it or not you know that's that's what we're all waiting for nothing indoors nothing indoors at all mm-hmm. so yeah. now now tom you're up on the you're up in the in the northeast right tom there you're up in the northeast is that correct what's going on up there uh yeah that's correct um it's still pretty lot. I mean, Massachusetts is starting to open up a little bit. I think uh, like 25% capacity. So some of the uh, like uh, TD Garden will start having people at the Bruins and uh, Celtics games. Um, same with uh, New York City too, I believe on that uh, matter. Um, yeah, so still sort of locked down. I mean, throughout this thing in general, uh, New England and, and the Northeast has been pretty well behaved. So um, you know, it hasn't, you know, while there have been certainly early on in, in Boston in particular, there's been spikes and there were spikes, you know, last, uh, in the December and January, um, it's calmed down. I just looked at, uh, earlier today, I saw New Hampshire didn't, haven't had any deaths in New Hampshire due to COVID for three days. Um, I believe we're still in, uh, what they call 2B, which is, uh, people over 65 for vaccinations. I think we'll enter 3A, which is teachers um, coming up soon. And then uh, 3B, which is uh, 50 to 65, will probably, finger in the air, will be sometime late March, I think early April. And then after that, I think we'll probably start seeing more, more opening. There, there is indoor dining with limited capacity and stuff like that. So it's, it's open, but not, you know, there's no shows per, per se. And the, the sports thing is really just now starting to go. So what are you doing to pass your time? I mean, what, how did, how, what was your week like this week? <laughs> Mine, uh, you know, there's still clients, you know, from, you know, we're still getting inquiries in for, you know, tech, technical sales stuff for Soundcraft. And, you know, there's internal meetings, obviously, all the time with Harmon. So there, there's stuff like that. It's, it's, again, slow. Make no doubt about it. But, um, you know, when we talk internally, I talk with clients, I check in with, you know, I call people and just sort of see what the lay of the land is. So, you know, I talked to some Broadway folk. I talked to some uh, theater folk. I talked to, you know, regional sound, national sound, other other manufacturers. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of talk. <laughs> Not a lot of action sometimes. <laughs> a lot of talk. That's what I like. Uh, you know, hey, no, all talk, no walk, whatever. We're all here. So, how so, about so Tom, man- you mentioned Broadway. You mentioned Broadway. Tell us what you heard about Broadway. Um, I talked to a couple of sound shops. Um, you know, there, some of them have, um, who have international business going on. Uh, I believe Australia, there are some Australian uh, Broadway road shows going on that just started back up a month or so ago. Uh, the current take is that, is that the producers probably aren't going to go back in uh, into shows until fall. Um, they thought that there would be some shows starting to pull inventory out of the shops um, for rehearsals or tech rehearsals or things like that this summer. Um, but that's probably the most optimistic I've heard, you know, either the shops I talked to, you know, 
since this thing began. So I, th I think there is, you know, light at the end of the end of the tunnel, um, but probably nothing until fall is what I think the the, the going guess is from what I got. Mm -hmm. All right, hey, good to hear. Good to hear, Brian. Thanks, Brian, up there in North Carolina. Are you in North Carolina right now? Or are you still on the road? I guess that mask is soundproof. That's a good thing. All right, you know, that's all. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this is what we have to go through with COVID. It's unfair. It's just unfair. That's it. So that's interesting. You're unmuted, but we don't hear you. So we'll come back. We'll come sure back to you in a second as soon as you get that. Uh, yeah. But let's, let's, what about Kevin in Delaware? What's happening over in Delaware? Uh, we're still <clears throat> shut down here. Um, nothing going on indoors, some outside stuff. We're getting uh, calls for graduations. That looks like graduations are going to be coming back, um, you know, at the, at, the, at the university level, which is good. Um, um, but uh, looks like, uh, you know, June for anything, um, you know, large outside. Uh, stuff on the beach in Ocean City, Maryland, which we, we, we cover that area. Some things are going to be going there. Um, but, you know, people are making plans. Uh, you know, uh, we've, <laughs> we've had a lot of things scheduled and then canceled. So you can't, you know, a um, lot of talking still. So Yeah, well, like, uh, like the Marx Brothers says, uh, I'll take a code and two pair of plans. That's what they would say. <laughs> there you go. Chris, what's happened in Miami? Well, the weather's warm. It's like 85 degrees every day here. So everybody's playing outdoors. Uh, there's a lot of small outdoor events going on, but all the big ones have been pushed off till November. Um, outdoor seating and restaurants is all over the place. I mean, that's, you know, it's massively packed down in Coconut Grove on the weekends uh, with not really adhering to social distancing, but uh, people are wearing masks for the most part. Um, you know, the, the good news is they've rolled out um, the Johnson & Johnson vaccination down here. They've got a lot of the, the teachers vaccinated today. Today was a wellness day for a lot of them and had the day off and lined up and got, got vaccinated. And because of Johnson & Johnson's a one-shot deal, it's done. So hopefully that'll, that'll take. And uh, we're on we're on an upswing, but as far as as far as business being anywhere near normal, no, it's not. It's you know, I'm I'm really thinking the fall is going to be our our season once again because we're going to get into by the time everybody gets passed and gets gets vaccinated, we're going to be into the rainy season down here, and uh, it's going to be a slow summer, I think. So, looking to go out and and uh, do more touring, I guess, but I don't know if that's going to happen right away. So. Now, while so we got are you schools, on... schools open there? Is that why the teachers are getting vaccinated? The schools are open for students? They're, they're wanting to reopen some of the schools. Uh, a lot of the universities are, of course, open, but um, limiting the amount of people that can be in a classroom at any time. But uh, I mean, with like music instruction and stuff, you've got to have a lot of distance between uh, read players and, and, uh, and, brass sections and all that so it's it's been challenging for for a lot of people and uh you know i i 
feel good that it's, uh, I think it's starting to turn a corner down here. That's really good news. And I think that you're right about the vaccine because, uh, you know, Biden says that anyone who wants a shot will be able to get a shot by the end of May. So if everybody's getting shots and everybody is, uh, you know, all of a sudden we're back, we're back, we're back in business. I mean, I think that's, that's really basically where we'd go. If everybody's vaccinated, then why wouldn't we want to be out there performing? The reason they say now that people who are already vaccinated need to keep wearing a mask is only because we don't want to spread it to other people. So that would seem to me that we're really on the path that once enough people get vaccinated, that we should be able to be back in business, really back absolutely. in business, in force. Yeah, now, I have a, now we have a physics question coming from Nashville. Ken Porter has a physics question for you regarding, uh, re regarding um, boating. Right, Ken? Did you so not have a physics question? Last week, Chris. Hey, Ken. So I was watching the World Cup or the, the America's Cup. And uh, of course the boat in, in my question is, you know, this year's boats are very interesting coming up on one foil and all that stuff, but they were running at, the wind was running like 20 knots, but the boat was running like 26 to 27 knots. How can you get faster than the wind speed on the boat? I haven't been able to do that yet. My <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. Unfortunately, oh, I've got you know, somebody uh, does. How do they do it? Is the question. Well, right? the um, uh, I have some cousins that are on a actual sailing team that do that for Team Germany, and even though Germany's not real strong in that market, they they are good sailors. It's like pinching a uh, pinching a watermelon seed through your fingers. You squeeze the seed that seed will pop out with a lot more force than you're squeezing it. That's what the foil does. The wind pressure is pushing on one side of the boat. The keel of the boat's coming out of the water and the pressure against the keel is greatly exceeded. So the boat skips along much faster than the wind speed. I mean, well, right in there. There you go. Then. All right, thanks, Stephen. So is it, lever angle? is it the lever angle? Because the whole boat's out of water. The only thing in the water is the, the foil just that one foil, they pull the upside foil up in the uh, the rudder is all that's in the water. Yeah, the, the less you have in the water, the less resistance. Yeah, but you're missing a foil. point. You're missing a point. If you're just going downwind and the wind is behind you, you can't go faster. But if you're going across the wind, you can slip across real fast as long as there's no friction. So that's why they're going faster. They're going up to 40 knots in those boats. But they're not going with the wind. They're going across the wind. Yeah, and they're not doing it exactly across the wind. They're doing it at approximately about a 45 degree angle to the wind. Uh, whereas a, on, on a close, close reach, you get a much faster, exciting ride. Uh, and, I'm, you know, we're out there in a sloop and, you know, it's we might be doing, you know, hull speed 6.5 knots or something like that. And these guys with these foils are flying past us. I mean, it's just like they're up on on one leg that's, you know, leaned over heavily and uh, they're, they're built for speed. A lot of these are coming out of Norway. And you it's saw really the US beautiful. one that crashed, right? I, I saw a couple of them fall over, but the US nobody boat, got hurt. Airborne and came down and, and broke, broke a hole inside of the boat and sank. Oh, I didn't see that. It's online. Yeah. So oh, yeah, no. I've got... We're down to it. Yeah, everybody goes fine. We're down to Italy and uh, 
New Zealand left in the championship. Mm, let's see if I can well, get that up. Oh, very nice. Flying, flying. It, it looks beautiful. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. So now, um, Ken, what's going on in Nashville? What, how's work coming on over there? Well, things are going pretty good. <clears throat> coming back to Florida, uh, my daughter talked to her friends down at uh, Feld, and they're putting the second ice show out this month uh, to get out. So the, the, the one that's been out for three months already is doing well. They only had one week that they had to uh, quarantine or down for a little bit. But in Kansas City. Time. Yep, Kansas City, she said. And then uh, they're putting the second one out now. So it'll be out in the next week or so. So they're going on. As far as here, I've got, you know, for me, I've got six, six shows at Easter weekend. And I'm even probably might even mix this weekend, that weekend. Um, other than that, you know, we got a lot of stuff hitting the schedule, you know, going out after, after Easter, mostly. I got a few one off here and there, but most of them is going to shows after Easter. Mm -hmm. The other one, did you see the, the Strickland email from last week about the, the, um, <clears throat> the Johnson and Johnson, but he said that Johnson and Johnson said they would do 20 million doses in March and that Pfizer would do 110 million doses and, um, uh, Moderna said they would do $110 million. So that's 240 million doses. And, and then they had the thing under the, the people that were vaccinated already is like 17 or 18% already. So the question is, is that in that number, it looks like 300 million is what the population is in the US. So 240 million in a month of March is pretty, pretty high, isn't it? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's pretty that ambitious. That is that even, how's that even gonna get accomplished? I mean, that's crazy. Well, there, I see that right now they're really moving along very fast now in getting the vaccination in people's arms. And that's what I'm saying. You know, there's going to I mean, they just made a deal with uh, I believe it's Johnson and Johnson made a deal with one of their competitors, Merck or one of those one of those companies. And plus, we have AstraZeneca and Norovac coming online as well. So there's going to be plenty of vaccine. You know, uh, and and more and more people are starting to take it because more and more people are not having any reaction to it. So it makes it a lot more simpler to take. If, if, you know, if, if people would were dropping like flies from taking the vaccine, then people wouldn't take the vaccine. But people are saying, ah, I didn't even feel it. You know, and uh, so we, we we have a lot of good luck, and it seems like the vaccine seems to be working very very well. You know, uh, I, Kurt, you're up in Washington. What's going on up in Washington? There we go. Um, well, even with the new uh, news about the uh, Merck and all that, and all the available vaccine, I've checked in with all my clients, and, and neither of the local offices for the major uh, um, national promoters have really any confidence that we're doing anything this summer. And my two biggest uh, corporate event planners that I work with have had uh, conference calls with all of their major clients and every single one of them has come back saying they have no intention of doing any in-person events until 2022. So my corner of the country seems to be, I don't know, more hesitant to get back to cautious maybe. I don't know. It's uh, you'd think that the news, the recent news would change things, but I, as of 
early this week, haven't had any any positive uh, news on any of those fronts. Well, yeah, you're here now, so this is positive for you to be yeah, with us. Right. That's there you go. There you have it. Um, I mean, one thing part of the two scenarios that that are going on, it's like if you go ahead and book a, a band, which the promoter that I'm working with is booking all the whole summer, and it's like, okay, well, you got two sides of it. People are either gonna want to come out because they don't care and they just want to party, or they're gonna be too paranoid because they're just not. Nobody knows what's gonna go, happen or going on. So it's like it's really still kind of a risk until there's a a confidence going on that people are going to be okay getting back in the crowds. And I don't know, nobody really knows how long that's going to take. I remember there was talk a couple months ago about the role that the insurance agents or insurance companies would potentially play in underwriting events. And I, I don't know if that's still a factor in the minds of these people that are making these decisions uh, or not. Seems like it would be difficult to um, prove or verify where someone got the exactly disease, you know, how can they prove it was at the show? But, you know, that seems to maybe be a contributing factor still, at least in this region. Well, well I was the, just, one of the insurance parameters that people are uh, looking at is cancellation insurance. Because if an event has to be canceled because what crew or the artist, uh, you know, got COVID, they have to cancel, then there's, uh, you know, the insurance kicks in and Will the insurance cover that is what the big consideration is, right? Yeah, Strickland just put out another newsletter about that as well. Uh, it's hard to keep up with all the newsletters that Strickland's putting out right now. I think what we're going to have to do is I'm going to assign everybody a letter from, from Strickland, you know, <laughs> depending on the time of day, and then we will all just report back on Strickland's emails to us. <laughs> yeah, you need a lot of reporting. One thing, though, is that, you know, uh, Steve, Steve out of um, El Paso, you do crewing. And it seems that Ken Porter said, and this brings us back to what I wanted, we, we, we talked about a while ago, is it seems like one of the things that's hard to find now are people, experienced people to work. Um, Ken says that he might have to mix his own shows now, which is, do you still remember how to mix shows, Ken? Uh, I'm working on it. The problem is I haven't mixed on a uh, digital console in quite a while, so I don't remember how to get around on it. I still need Tom to bring back the 1S, my original, you know, console, you know, that, that I miss a lot. You know, that's, I'm back the analog town guy. The other issue I'm having is, is a lot of people are, are doing other stuff. You know, I have several people that have gone off being, you know, home improvement contractors, and they're not really sure they're going to come back to the industry. And other people that, that, They've been home long enough where the wife thinks, you know, maybe they need to, to stay on that job and not come back to the audio industry. Mm -hmm. Hey, Stephen, maybe you could address it. What's going on with the crew situation, seeing you have a crewing company? Actually, that's my one of my biggest fears is that this business is going to come back with a vengeance. And we're going to be begging for days off. And I'm going to have be hard pressed to find enough good crew people to do the shows that need to get done. We've been making calls. We had 300 people in our uh, roster and we make calls weekly just to see who's, who's in, who's out, who's working, who's not working. What are the prospects that if somebody calls tomorrow and says, Hey, you know, we have kiss in this arena and we have share in this other building. Can we come up with the 200 people it's going to take to crew these two shows? That's my big fear is that coming back, we may be shorthanded. Uh, are, are you an IA local? Uh, no, we used to be. But oh. this is Texas, after all. It's the right to work state. And 
No, I was the president of the local for a long time. And uh, it dissolved and fell apart once I, not because I left, but after I left, things didn't go so well. And it was one of those things that really needed to be uh, coddled and taken care of on a daily basis by somebody who really know, knows the labor market. And that didn't happen. Instead of this local here being a local that would represent workers, it became the local was the place you went to get a job. And the local became an employer, very much against the whole idea of what a local is supposed to be. So the local was the employer for so many years that people got used to that. So if they didn't get a call, they wanted to take the, bring the local up on charges. I, I didn't get a call for this show. Like, no, we don't put people on the job. I'm an employer. I put people on the job. I had a contract with the local. And when they dissolved and went away, my contract went away with them. So, you know, we still share the same terms and conditions. We've actually raised our pay rate and we had a good run for many years until COVID and then everything's gone off the table. But, but didn't you use these guys to build the, build the hospitals, the outdoor field hospitals? No, we found, we found enough guys. It was 26 guys. We found those guys. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm confident a Broadway road show with a 50 man call. No problem. But when we get double booked or triple booked, because we do represent crewing for two arenas, two theaters and two casinos. Um, it's not, it's not unheard of that we have 300 people working in a quarter, 200 people working in any given week. And this is a small town. I don't think we have that many people. Currently. Have, I don't think your problem is unique, Stephen. Uh, I'm an officer in my IA local. Uh, we have a hiring hall with about 300 people, a couple of collective bargaining agreements we represent um, uh, workers for. And that's our concern is that for a lot, particularly people in our lower uh referral system lists, uh, hiring hall list that they, uh, they found other things to do. We did an email about a month ago, I think, and approximately 12% of them, 13% of them bounced because the email addresses are no longer valid. Uh, we did a postal mailing to a group of people. And of those approximately, I think that was 140, 150 uh, physical letters that were sent. And of those approximately 10 to 15% came back undeliverable. Some of those people we have since tracked down, but some of them we have now have no idea how to get a hold of. Their phone numbers have changed, their emails don't work, and their addresses no longer work. And our concern is like yours. You know, if we remember what happened, uh, the flu pandemic was 1918, 1919, uh, 1920, and the 20s roared, kids. The war was over. And the flu pandemic was going away that we'd killed enough people and uh, things came back with a vengeance that, you know, it took the Great Depression and Prohibition to, to, to fix. So in the union, did you guys reach out to possibly the iron workers and stuff or, or to the electrical workers and see maybe you have people are pulling wire or, or doing steel erection when they needed like additional labor when they didn't have enough to do a project up or anything like that? Did you look at getting your people placed some other places? Well, we do go to the iron workers and the IBEW both. We're good in the market because we actually pay a fair wage. So I don't have problems cross hiring people, but I'm afraid that they're going to be busy too. I think everybody's going to be busy. My big fear is going to them. You, your people going to them in the meantime. Uh, everybody was 
was encouraged to go try to find work. And of course, we didn't challenge anybody on uh, unemployment. We do pay an unemployment insurance and our unemployment with the state of Texas has been really good about just paying. You know, they know everybody's in the same boat, especially in the entertainment industry. We got a, a blanket ruling that just said, if you're in the entertainment industry and you file for unemployment, you will receive it, no questions asked. And it won't affect on your employer's rate. I mean, from day one. So at least that part of being in Texas was a very good thing. because I knew that my people were taken care of. So Ron, up in Canada, what's going on up there? How are you, how are you, how are you experiencing the same thing that we're experiencing? And tell us about all those big jobs you've been doing this week. <laughs> uh, we're, we're still in the same boat. We're, uh, we just got out of lockdown. Uh, we're actually into uh, orange now, which I don't know if you guys follow the same colors that we do, but we're into, uh, we're back into, uh, you know, 100 people outdoors, 50 people indoors. Uh, so, I mean, there's nothing that anybody's doing that's uh, going to generate any revenue. And uh, unfortunately for us, which is striking, um, is that our, our, uh, we're not doing the vaccine, we're not doing great with the vaccine rollout. I mean, it's really, really been laborious for us to, to happen. So, I mean, really they're talking about uh, the end of uh, the summer is when they figure that everybody should be okay with that. And mm -hmm. for us, the season's over. So, I mean, you know, we're Canada here. I mean, we only have a, a very small season, you know, I'd be better off to pack up all my stuff and drive down to somewhere warm. Um, but you know, we, uh, we don't have, uh, we're gonna miss the season again, we're pretty sure. Uh, I mean, I've got a tank show coming up. I mean, we're doing a, uh, you know, stuff like that where it's just really like odd corporate gigs that, you know, they don't really care. So, um, you know, for some, something for uh, the Middle East uh, in to do with an unveiling of a new tank. We tend to build a lot of tanks up here. Um, so uh, you know that's coming up, but other than that, it's it's uh, it, it's pretty quiet. And in regards to the labor thing, we actually talked about it when that uh, gentleman was on there a few months ago, the guy from Miley Cyrus, and we talked about that because guarantees have gone down for the talent. So you know, my question to him at the time was, uh, with the guarantees dropping for talent, which means that the it puts more of an onus on the talent. Uh, do you think that the talent would be more fiscally responsible instead of like Brad Paisley coming out with like, you know, 16 trucks, you know, will Brad Paisley cut it back down to two and look at more regional for racks and stacks and lighting and stuff. And, and, and that will, will that happen? And uh, his response was, uh, was interesting. You know, basically it's like, yeah, some of the people will get it. They do get it. They, they understand, but the bigger acts will ask for the 200 man crew. And if, and they don't care. He's like, you know, Miley Cyrus wants 150, 200 guys. Then whoever's doing the show will have to find them, whether they come from four or five hours away, then uh, so be it. They'll have to supply the, the crews. But here in this area here, the IA, I mean, it'd be luck. I did a show in an IA venue, a drive-in show, and they had to come up with 20 guys. And that was a struggle to come up with 20 guys. Um, you know, and that's... Uh, that's an IA that's really normally very, very busy with, you know, a few arenas and, uh, you know, you know, normally they're, they're busy. So they've got like probably 250, 300 guys uh, that they can reach out to, but they had to they struggle to get 20 guys. 
Yeah. So. Well, that is it. That's you, one of you, everybody's big worries right now. Do you think the struggle was because uh, those guys have gone elsewhere, or because they're hesitant to work during COVID because of the you know the possibility of getting the virus? Well, I think I think that it's like you know I've had this discussion with a lot of audio guys because you know we're all kind of looking at it going you know what's going to happen I mean we're all guys are bailing so I think it's the same thing the guys that have been you know IA guys for like 20 years 25 years I mean they ain't going anywhere those guys aren't going to retrain and you know all of a sudden start driving sweepers down the road or anything those guys are going to be IA guys until the day they they fall over but it's the younger guys right the guys that have been doing this for five two four five maybe up to 10 years, they've already retrained. I mean, they're truck drivers, they're putting drywall up, they're, you know, they're doing, they're not coming back. That's the problem is that, you know, we're back to this thing where, you know, it's gonna be all of us old guys here just kind of hanging on by a thread, trying to pack a truck and the young guys are gonna be all gone. And, and that's that's the thing, the new blood, you know, they're, they're realizing that the industry is just, is gone or, or, or you know, it's not gonna come back um, you know, the way it should. So that's where, where we have our building is right now. I mean, well, right now it's uh, what time is it here? At seven o'clock here. But, uh, you know, all day today, my building uh, was full of guys, not one guy under, I don't know, 40 years old. Everybody, all the younger guys are gone. They just have no desire to, the old guys here are coming, plugging in consoles and retraining and looking at stuff and figuring things out. And I mean, they're, you know, they're still, you know, adamantly, wanting to do stuff but the younger guys are like no nah, we're you know we're out we're gone see you later yeah yeah that that reflects exactly what's what's what i'm seeing too ron both from a a, a general labor end and from a specific technical labor end uh it's the middle that we lost it's the folks that were that were up and coming and those are the ones that may have started families gotten married whatever it is but gals and not just to limit it to the men uh that thought that they had a reasonably secure profession in our crafts. And then it took a pandemic to show us that basically if there was no disposable income and mass gatherings, we had no source of income. And so they had to move on. I don't begrudge them at all, but they had to. And that's exactly what I'm seeing. And this is how my local is, is answering this. We're doubling down on training. We're going to do uh, craft specific training for the new people coming in, because we know we're not going to get those middle people back. They're, they're gone for good. Uh, you know, maybe until much later in their life, but they're gone and we have to replace them. And they're going to be replaced with people that don't have that skill level and experience yet. You know, the other, oh, other situation that we discovered is that we had heard through a couple of the A level uh, audio guys here in Canada is that you know there is one fairly big company i'm not going to name them but you can pretty much figure out who they are they're also in the us they're in you know there are a couple different places uh in nevada and stuff and they're around um they've already put the word out that when this thing clears they're going to be paying top dollar they're going to try and wipe out all the top the, the all the, they're going to try and capitalize on all the top techs everything they can, they're gonna pay them the most money they've ever made in their life to join their camp, which is gonna then decimate all the smaller companies. They're just not gonna be able to uh, get any any good shelf guys. I mean, that's that's a real problem. Now, you know, I mean, that being said, I mean, the, the you know, this company has uh, roots in uh, Quebec and they have roots in Ontario and they have, you know, they have a few different locations. So if you're, you know, you're in Alberta, it's not, you're not gonna, 
pack up your family and move to Quebec or move to Ontario just because you're going to make an extra, you know, uh, you know, ten dollars an hour or whatever they were, you know, whatever day rates they're going to put out. But they're they're, uh, but you know, they've that's their that's their plan, which I think is a smart plan. I mean, I don't think it's stupid. Um, you know, is to basically get anybody who's anybody who's any good uh, into their camp. So that's something else that's kind of lingering there too. And it's it. it uh, I don't know if that's going to be the way it is. You know, Claire Brothers is, I don't know if anybody hears from Claire Brothers, but Claire Brothers decides, you know, hey man, you know what? We're just going to hire the, we're going to offer this much money. Anybody comes and works for us, this is what you're going to make. And then, you know, all those smaller companies will be sitting there without uh, without the greatest labor pool. You know, hard to say. Yeah, it's, it, it's definitely a crapshoot right now on what's going on. And I noticed that, you know, basically the diversity and there's women, you know, I mean, look, you know, I, I put out and I put out invites to everybody that's in my database. I also advertise on Facebook and YouTube and LinkedIn. So everywhere. And if you look around the room, you'll see there are no women uh, in, in, in this thing. And I am doing everything I can. So do you think that this is an opportunity for women to get in this business or is it just not glamour enough? What, why, why do we not see more women doing what we're doing and how we, can we bring them in? Because, uh, you know, chicken or egg, Jan, I look at this, I look at the screen in front of me and it's full of mostly old white guys. And the only way that changes is if we find people coming up and mentor them. Uh, I need, if, if, if the company I manage is going to succeed past this, this pandemic. And that means having clients, this goes back to something uh, that Ron mentioned, people paying more. Uh, I've got clients that desperately want to pay me less because of the pandemic. Well, we've, you know, and I'm, I fully understand that. Well, so I want to be able to pay my people what they made at least I'd love to pay them more, but I got to get more money out of my clients in order to do that. Mm -hmm. part, so part of the problem before, like before the pandemic hit, I mean, what, what, you know, we used to bitch about all the time is that all these younger guys that were coming up just didn't have the work ethic, just didn't have it. That's why you're looking at a room full of old guys here, right? Let's, let's be serious. I mean, we're the only, you know, we've all got a similar work ethic, you know, hence why we're all on here right now. But, but the younger guys coming out of colleges and coming out of all the recording studio programs and coming out of all that stuff, nice enough guys. I mean, you know, nothing wrong with any of them. But I mean, you know, none of them are here learning stuff. Like none of them are here. Like there's all the opportunity in the world. You want to learn MA consoles. You want to learn, you know, you want to learn, you know, video stuff. You want to learn how to put video walls up. You want, you want to improve your skill set. You want to make yourself worth more than something. But they, they just, you know, before the pandemic hit, biggest complaint, no matter who you get out of whatever colleges, I mean, these kids just don't have the work ethic that the old guys have. And that's the, that was a problem then. And now they're all gone. So here we all sit, you know, the same old guys um, w without any new blood. And, uh, you know, and I, I don't know what to tell you. And, and women are, it's a tough call. I mean, we have a lot of women in the industry here in Canada, you know, um, but they tend to more than, than often gravitate towards either, you know, sim simpler basic IA stuff, um, you know, which is not, which is, you know, not load, not unloading heavy trucks or um, they're working in theater, you know, so we've got tons of them here. They are working and they're working in theater. Um, they're just not working in, uh, in the sort of businesses that, that we have really long hours, you know, and, and um, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of love in, in what we do here. So. Yeah. 
We have, well, yeah, and uh, I think that comes back to mentorship, and I'll leave it at that. We, we have a lot of women that work here, and it's not, it's not been a problem finding women. Now, yes, they're all gone, but you know, they're survivors, and they're working. They're not working in this field, but they're working somewhere. The guys that we have are staying home and taking care of the kids so that their wives and girlfriends can go work. When I call people now, they say, well, is it a big crew? Where am I going to be working? They have hesitation because they're worried about getting sick. Because, you know, I'm taking care of my mom. I'm taking care of my grandfather. I'm taking care of my kids because my wife is a nurse. You know, so, okay. Those I understand. Eventually, yes, we'll get back into it. So I'm not worried too much. The training is very important. That's something we're going to have to do and really step it up. Because I do know we're going to have some very green people working in an environment that's not dangerous, but certainly is hazardous. And all you got to do is get a case run over, get your toes run over, get a case run up on your ankle, small injuries that mean something big to that person. And it means something big to my insurance guy. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to really have to get on this training thing, at least in the beginning. Life is not going to be easy for a long time, but it's only been a year. So look up, you know, we'll, we'll be back at it. I'm only a year older. I'm one of the old guys. We look around. I say, well, where are the young guys? Well, they're not here. I'm soft. <laughs> I can't do what I used to do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's tough, but we'll get back at it. Well, we, we have Jeremy in the room and Jeremy doesn't have any gray hair that I could see. Maybe he does. Uh, um, you know, I mean, what are you seeing, guys your age? Uh, how do you see that happening with our industry? So I just put on a new microphone. So you guys hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you fine. You but, sound great. Oh, splendid, man. Uh, well, I uh, come from a smaller you know, regional sound company background. Uh, so I did a lot of fairs and uh, did, did uh, some, some regional touring stuff and some national stuff. Um, but so I, I came up kind of in a almost like an apprentice role, I guess, if you will, because I you know, worked under a, a guy that you know, worked under a guy for he was there doing his thing for 30 years and and i was spent about 15 of those years with him uh doing that so uh, when i started my own company i most definitely brought a lot of that uh to bear uh and and when i get the opportunity i, I do like training uh you know young folks coming in uh my both of my girls are, are in high school so yeah i try to uh, you know try and teach them stuff they don't think what we do is all that cool so um i'll actually look at the camera uh so uh, one, one of the things that I think is important is most definitely uh, showing what we do uh, in a light that, you know, that where uh, pe people that aren't quite getting it, but totally have the skills, especially on the virtual side of things, you know, kind of pointing them in the right direction. And, you know, you, you have this skill, this is how it translates to what we do. And, and a lot of times that's uh, people skills. So you have teenage daughters interested in the business. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, one of them, you know, starts starting to play the guitar and one of them's very artistic, uh, or actually, I mean, they're both very artistic, uh, but one of them's, uh, uh you know, really into, into drawing and, and everything. And, uh, the other one, uh, is very, uh, book smart. And, uh, so we're, we're trying to, you know, tell them what I do is cool. Uh, my wife is also in the industry as well. So, um, so it's, uh, her and I get to talk about it and the girls think what we do is kind of dorky. So, Jeremy, um, how you came up through is probably how most of us in this room came up through, because when we were all 
young, there was no school for this. You know, there might have been two. I knew of one in the late 70s. Yes. And uh, the problem now that I have found in the last, you know, handful of years is people are getting out of these schools that I could only recommend about, you know, that I know of about three places in the country. Uh, but, but um, you know, a lot of these kids get out of school with a degree and they think the world owes them a living and they want to walk in the door and take my job. Well, you know, it doesn't matter if you know how to turn a knob on a digital <laughs> console. There's so much more to it than turning the knob on the digital console. And they're not willing to, you know, do two or three shows with me and grab me a cup of coffee when I can't do it, you know. <laughs> And, and uh, it, it, I'm, you know, I'm one of the actually one of those guys who uh, who went, went through school, but I actually went to, uh, uh, you know, I, I was one of the I want to be an audio engineer. I want to record and and uh, uh, I went well, I straight out. I did. I did, too, in the late 70s. But I knew well, I had no clue I, I'd be doing live sound. I was like, oh, live sound. It was an accident for me, too. But but still, when I got done with school, there was a whole ramp up period of learning live sound because it was so radically different, especially then. You know, a lot of really good front of house guys that have been around a long time, studio guys can mix, you know, on a big PA because it's built and tuned so correctly because, you know, the, the gear has gotten so good and the systems engineers have gotten so good at making the PA sound, you know, like your home stereo, essentially just really loud, you know. And um, but. Yeah, a lot of people just they just think they're going to get out of school and, and the world's going to hand them a hand them a job. And that's just not really how it works in this business, because there's so much you have to learn before you ever get in the position where you're telling the crew what to do. You know, <laughs> I, I would love to you know, throw people in the same you know, way that I just got thrown in. You know, here's a monitor desk for Hispanic Day, you know, and that's kind of they don't, they uh, don't where do I started. It, they don't want to do it. I want to bring in another non-gray haired person, Robert Rubino. Now he's in education. So Robert, what do you got to say about this? Because you're you you're you're in the you're in a performance arts center of your of your school. So talk about that. And you're and yours is a high school. Tell Correct. first of all, tell people a little bit about about Valley. Wait a second. You've got some gray hair now. I don't remember you having that gray hair. What happened? COVID. <laughs> <laughs> COVID and online. So everybody, you know, the, 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 the word Just tell them a little bit about Valley. Tell, tell people a little bit about what you do. Valley Christian is a school K through 12. And uh, we have an arts conservatory inclusive in that that is actually in all levels. And so we do everything from um, theater performances, marching band, recording. We have a recording studio there with an SSL duality. Um, we are in all uh, Steinway school. I use Myers, I have an SXL desk. And so tons of concerts, uh, you know, big recordings are for submissions uh, for like, well, when there used to be the Monterey Jazz Festival, Allington Jazz Festival, those types of things, and mainly supporting the kids as they wanna go to arts colleges or music college, because you gotta have, the submissions are a lot different than when I was at school where you gotta have videos, multiple camera shoots, you know, high quality audio. And so to get into these schools, they really expect that. So I support all of that for that. And the other place I get income um, is actually from churches. And so I support churches both remotely and locally here in uh, San Jose, California. Do they teach the kids how to coil cable correctly? I try. It's funny because <laughs> I was a part of two high schools in LA a long time ago and they had arts, uh, art classes and they had a theater person that you know would teach theater and they'd put on these plays and stuff and they had a couple of kids at each school that were all technical and they wanted to do the lights and they wanted to mix the sound and all that right so they because they had su such little budgets they would buy parts parts to lights 
and then assemble parkins and fresnels and stuff out of parts and build their own lighting systems, right? Well, you know, the, the, the kids that wanted to do the audio, they just wanted to mix the audio. We had a cable winding class one time and then, you know, tear everything out of the closet and put in sticks to hang all your cable on and, and tie, ra you know, ties on your cables. And man, nobody wanted to do any of that. All they wanted to do is sit behind the console and, you know, push faders and, you know. <laughs> like... Yeah, beware of the, of the students <laughs> that want to help. Oh, that's what man. they want to do. <laughs> my studio maintenance class was my favorite class for sure. Uh, wiring and you know, cleaning the tape and or splicing and all that uh, was most definitely my favorite. I don't know. I, I, I have a small, a, a short story about a, uh, we did the grand opening of the um, Hyatt in San Diego and Huey Lewis and the band was, was the entertainment. So, so we loaded in and the production company was like, ah, oh, you know, we're not going to spend all this money on labor. We're going to get all the local colleges to send their technical students over, right? So the first day we show up in the ballroom and there's four tractor trailers at the dock. And, you know, the, if anybody knows the Hyatt there, there's two huge ballrooms and one, was in, one of them was like this big session and the other one was the concert and the party, right? So like 60 or 70 of these, you know, college kids showed up to do the load in. And I remember standing in the middle of the ballroom with all the drawings out on the table and everything. And every one of them, I think, walked in and said, so where's the PA? And I said, it's down in a truck. We got to go get it out. And they all looked at me like, what? <laughs> and I said, oh, and you know what else we have to do? We have to build it and we have to make it work. And if it doesn't work, we have to fix it. And the last thing we do four days from now is Huey Lewis in the news. And then at one in the morning, we have to take it down and put it back in the truck. Do you know the next day, nobody showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. You made it sound so glamorous. I, I don't know why. You know, and well, that comes. That's I, exactly I, what I said to them, and, and that's it was exactly the reaction I got. You know, it was just. So you know, amazing. I want to address that something that you know you guys were talking about the 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 younger folks coming up because I had an internship that I would take people from the local colleges, and it was very interesting because um, I was asked to do this by the college. Actually, it was San Jose State University. And so I did it and many showed up. And then the questions they were asking was actually pretty much all of them. How much do I make and how many hours do I have to work? And then when I told them, because from my perspective, you know, I'm a little older too and I work a lot of hours just like you guys. And basically it went down to from, from 25 roughly to three. And after three, one stuck around and I hired the guy. And unfortunately, with COVID, I had to let him go. And he was he was the amazing cable guy, I tell you, the most meticulous guy. Anybody in the LA area, I have a guy I recommend if you got got work to do. The guy's good. He's he's really come up. He's got a degree in audio, um, audio, what is it, audio technology, something like that, whatever sounds like state had to offer at that point. Um, so really good guy. Um, but here, you know, as far as the IATSE jobs and availability to do do work. Uh, the Shark Tank sort of has brought some people back, which is great. Um, but there's been a lot of problems with the testing because a lot of the, the people that are getting tested on a regular basis are getting false positives. And then the, the non-union non people are actually doing some of those jobs. And then sort of, but there's actually a lot of the people that had to support their families went and got retrained and did a lot of other stuff in the Bay Area. So, you know, even if things open up, I, I concur with the, what you guys are saying. There's not going to there's not going to be enough people to really support the amount of activity, both in the Bay Area, inclusive of San Francisco, that used to be um, 
you know, a lot of work. Yeah. Now, Gabe is in the, I believe Gabe, Gabe is up in the San Francisco area, right, Gabe? Yes. And, you, right. and you don't you don't have any gray hair yet, do you? Uh, well, it started coming in, uh, yeah, a number of years ago, but it's I've, I've kept it at bay for the most part. So tell us a little bit about what's going on from your perspective in this in this light. Uh, I mean, I think I mentioned it to you guys before. I've mostly pivoted away from uh, my previous normal markets of corporate events, live entertainment, concerts, and that sort of thing. I've mostly been focusing on TV shows and whatnot. Um, so uh, some of our, we do a lot of this, uh, you know, kind of business for the networks and whatnot in Los Angeles. So we're doing a lot of uh, game shows and episodic scenery, uh, LED for scenery. Um, uh, I have a thing that just came in last minute uh, for next week for a, a, a show on FX where we're going to do like the finale for a show on FX and do a bunch of uh, projection mapping on a floor and a big LED wall. And then I have a couple other shows loading in next week. So it's honestly going to be real busy for me over the next two weeks. I'm not going to get very much sleep. Are you independent, Gabe? Uh, no, I work for these guys, Fuse. But it's not union. No. Yeah, well, that brings us are. to another subject, which we'll cover in a little while. And that's the AB5 for you guys in California. And it doesn't seem like that's spreading anywhere else uh, other than California. Um, but, um, you know, let's... Um, Brian, are you, is your microphone working now? Did you get it fixed? Is it working? It's working perfectly. Yeah. So, so tell us what's, what's going, what's going on over there? Where are you first of all, and what's going on? So I just spent the week in uh, Dallas area. Uh, the other job that I'm working right now, we just put under contract for in January, uh, enough sidewalk to walk from Key West, Florida to New York City that we've got to look at. So we're, we're ramping up on that. But North Carolina's backed off of some of our rules here lately. Uh, so it's a little bit more relaxed. Um, they have, they've kept the same percentages for indoor events at 7%, but they're not capping it at 300 where they were capping it before at 300 and all high school events at 100. So now it's just a flat 7%. Uh, and they are now allowing bars to open as of last Friday. So uh, bars that don't serve food can now serve alcohol uh, within the bar, uh, within the bars. So it's slowly opening up. Uh, we're at our lowest uh, infection rate and hospital occupancy rate since last October. So starting to look a little bit positive. So, you're in, you're in Dallas, right? I'm in Dallas right now. I'm based yeah, out of we're, North Carolina. Te we're in Texas, baby. We're back. We're all the way back. Oh, yeah. No problems. We're the COVID's right. gone. We're 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 out of the woods, if you so, believe so, that. So <laughs> I'm 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 actually based out of Charlotte area, Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm just in I I was jumping full bore into the audio business. Uh, started my own company in February and had not notified my corporate employers that I was leaving. So I've I've rode them out for the last 12 months. So I'm still doing ADA work. So oh, while you're down there, did you go over to Billy Bob's and see the big show over there? Uh, I did not. Uh, we had some technology issues on our end with our gear. And uh, so I, I was supposed to have flown home last night. So I'm flying home tonight. Um, so we've been, we've been fighting this off and on. So no, I did not get over to Billy Bob. I will tell you, walking around the Dallas area, we were in... Uh, in a lot of the uh, suburban areas uh, this week, and everybody's wearing masks, even out in the open. I, you know, there's a few people here and there when there's nobody around that didn't have their mask on, but I, 
didn't really see a mask issue down here in, uh, actually in the Plano and the Irving area. I know it is one of the things that uh, freak me out the most is when I see people wearing masks, but they wear it below their nose. I'm saying, you know, why are they wearing a mask in the first place? But uh, that's it. Let's go down to New Orleans right now. Let's uh, let's go to the let's go to that New Orleans where he's training the crocodiles for his crew members. Um, Steve, what's going on over there? Um, How are those crocodiles working out? I, I, have you been able to train them at all to mix a, mix well, a show? We, we don't have crocs here, buddy. We have alligators. Oh, alligators. <laughs> um, yeah, the weather's been kind of off and on with, you know, cold weather and then hot. And as far as work, it's about the same as it was. Not too much happening. Uh, every now and then we may get a little small Zoom meeting of some sort. Uh, what about your crewing situation? What do you see over there? Are you losing people to Home Depot or to Alligators R Us? What what's going on there? Well, we we have we have a ten man crew in house, so we haven't had to reach outside of our crew for anything that's happened so far. I mean, we we just don't have any you know enough work or anything big enough. I mean, super when we did the Super Bowl stuff, we had a couple of regular guys that actually do the event with us, so we did bring them in, but. Um, just for everyday stuff, it's just our guys. I mean, we have, like I say, we have a 10 man crew in the shop now, so we got the PPP. <laughs> so that's why we get back, back to staff. Okay, cool. Um, anything you else you Jeff, want to share? Jeff had, Jeff had a question about, um, if anybody has, uh, applied for the employee retention credit last year. And if so, uh, any information on that? Anybody out there? Ken Porter? My accountant said I should do that, but I haven't looked into it yet. Uh, that I think it comes through the accountant back, you know, when you do your tax return. Okay. Chris, anything from you on that? Chris Carlton, do you have any idea what any, any news on that for him? No, I've, I've uh, not gotten into anything because everything that I see in the PPP is sort of exclusive to the other programs and uh, didn't want to endanger any anything with the PPP loans that we've had. So well, the, that doesn't, it shouldn't affect the PPP part at all. Well, if you have PPP, you can't take the, uh, the tax credit. So for me, I had a time where last year where I went from the end of uh, first of July through the end of the year and uh, didn't use PPP. It was PPP was done. So that would get qualified for the tax credit. Yeah. I think it's on your, your tax return. You know, your, your account needs to put it together. Okay. It's, it's, it's an interesting time. I mean, is everybody in the room applied for PPP? Is there anybody that hasn't applied for it that can, you know, anybody else? I got my round two money last week. Mm-hmm. So. so there's a couple of people we haven't heard from yet. Um, Michael James, uh, I don't think, th is this your first time here in the, in the, in the therapy group? Uh, we got to just uh, unmute your mic. Just unmute him. Hey, there we go. You got me. There you go. You call yourself an audio guy. Unbelievable. There you go. <laughs> Must be a lighting man. Must be secretly a lighting guy. No, I just, you know, just I just can't see the little red mute buttons as well as I used to. 
Um, I'm in the Asbury Park area. Uh, I have pretty much sold all my big stuff, sold the truck. I actually sold my house. I'm taking care of my 93-year-old mom and strategizing what the next move ought to be. And it seems to me that it needs to be more closely re related to uh, content production. Um, so that's where myself and a couple of my cronies are going at this point. Um, we haven't applied for any money, I guess, because we didn't really take much of a hit. Um, but, uh, but again, content seems to be the direction we want to take because, hey, as we get older, it's going to keep paying us. If it's up there and people download it, people use it, uh, it gets placed, then, then uh, we're in the chips. Um, we're not seeing anything happen here, really, in, in this particular market. Um, uh, the big beach series isn't going to happen this year. It didn't happen last summer. Um, the Stone Pony summer stage is pretty much out of business. I don't know where Asbury Audio is at this point because between the Paramount and summer stage, that was most of his business. Um, that's got, uh, everything's up in the air. I mean, the same way it is for all you guys. I mean, I never did anything as big as most of you guys. I worked for a couple of the big guys. I worked on tour for years. But what's happening now in, in our business feels very much like uh, the mid 80s when I left Nashville after about 10 years in the studio business, uh, when, when digital happened and the recording business shrunk, uh, it pretty much felt like this. We all needed some place to go. We all had to find something else to do. I was in the IT business for a long time. Then I was raising kids alone for a long time. And as I got back into the audio business and the local music scene, things began to pick up until last year. So here we are again in another place where we basically all have to find something else to do. And again, I think what, what you'll see people in my position do, um, we only did mid-sized stuff and pretty much that's all gone. And I've only saved a couple of digital pieces so that we could go out there and essentially do um, a little bit of PA, recording, live streaming, and content production. So that, that's pretty much what we're up to at this point. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Uh, we have somebody else in the room that hasn't spoken. Darren, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what, you, what you're seeing from your perspective. Hi, how you doing? Um, I'm from the other side of the Atlantic in Ireland. Oh man, and look, I think I think he only has gray hair down here. I don't think he has any on the top. <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> so uh, we're not doing as well with vaccines. You guys are only at five percent, but um, same as Michael James. The last time there, we've diversified streaming content. Liner A gone to Europe somewhere, so it's all uh, small consoles and VMix machines currently. That's, that, so and now are you finding work? Is there work there or what's going on with that? When from that aspect, are you finding any work in, in the business, any shows coming on, anything like that? No, 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 nothing, nothing in shows. It's all like council stuff as in federal kind of federal work, corporate work, banking work. There's a uh, AGM streams are starting to happen and all these kind of uh, the banks and the 
corporate stuff have held off for a while, but they're finally deciding their AGMs have to happen and they're, you know, they have to get their things in order before their end of their year, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's great to have that accent in the room and you too as well. I love it, man. I love it. We're really getting class now in this group. I like that. You know, you've added a lot of class to us. How did you hear about the, how did you hear about, how did you hear about our group? I've been on here before, just I uh, haven't been back in a while, but I was here with you a couple of weeks ago. Um, me and you spoke before about some Christie projectors. Um, I was on a mailing list. So I've been, been here from day one in, in some shape or form. Just remember, everybody, what you hear may be true or may not be true. Don't want sort of everybody's opinion. <laughs> so we got Michael Frawley in the room, too. Michael, what's going on over there in Dallas? You're in Dallas, right? What's happening from your perspective? Are you back to work? No, but uh, Governor Abbott is going to lift the mask order and uh, a great deal of the restrictions on capacities and all that um he is still going to leave it open for local jurisdictions to mitigate if they see you know if they have a surge in hospitalizations which they won't but um it's still too early to tell at least here in texas um there's still plenty of people that are in a wait and see mode because they're they're a little, you know, a little nervous, a little scared. Uh, plus, I'm sure insurance companies are not giving anybody green lights yet. Yeah, so that's for sure. You, you know, if you don't have support from your, your insurance company, you know, otherwise known as God, then uh, you're, you're not going to get very far. Well, we've got the we've got the hardest working man in in the room right now, Fred. Tell us what's going on. Make us all jealous and drool of all the work that you've got going on. And speaking of cables, man, this guy is an expert when it comes to cables. An expert, I tell you, an expert. <laughs> uh, well, I let's see. I I, I ended uh, eight times eight, so sixty four audio connectors today. And I upgraded two Ross expression switchers and uh, I vacuumed out all the racks. So yeah, I've been, been pretty productive day today. So just, you know, doing my thing at BLM, just like every day. I got Who my, said uh, this over, industry over wasn't glamorous? Unbelievable. Who said it wasn't glamorous? I'm getting like a woody from this. Yeah, tell us more. Over the week, over the weekend, I was supposed to do a Pac-12 game on Sunday, and then they ended up adding Saturday and Monday. So we went over, so went over Saturday, did a men's game, did the women's game on Sunday, went over Monday, set up, checked in, did pre-production, went to lunch, came back, and the visiting team tested positive for COVID, so we struck it, went home, got paid for the day. There you go. <laughs> now you're in Arizona, correct? Yep. And what do you see opening up? Do you see anything opening up? Um, haven't heard of anything uh, here. You know, we, I think you and uh, you were on the deal where they talked about uh, Denver is going to just start doing some stuff at Red Rocks uh, potentially in April. Um, still haven't heard anything around here. The guy that owned uh, Celebrity Theater passed away yesterday, though. That was a little bit of sad news. I forget what his name is, but he was real good friends with Danny Zalesko. So I don't know what's going to happen with the celebrity theater here in town. I mean, it's, you know, the, the 
guy kind of owned it by himself. So we'll see what happens there. Well, I think it would be a good idea to get a promoter into the room. I think that would be really, I think that would be really good to get from a perspective of a promoter. So I will start inviting some of the promoters I know uh, into the room. And if anybody knows anybody who's a promoter that wants to come in the room, uh, please feel free to, you know, you have the link, so you know how to do it. Uh, we have somebody else in the room that I don't think has ever spoken before. Ray, um, you want to give us your perspective of what you're seeing from where you are? And, and I, I'm not even sure where you're, where, where you're from. He could be part of that zombie apocalypse we were talking about earlier. But uh, Ray, what's going on with you? All right. Well, we're moving right Me? along. Oh, there you go, Ray. Free the crew. That's really cool. <laughs> Feed the crew is my uh, podcast. And uh, I'm signed in on my phone, so I guess it has my Feed the Crew. I, I'm scrolling through. Sorry. Uh, well, I'm in Houston, Texas. And not much going on here besides shots and arms. Our, uh, our venues are pretty much full of... Uh, medical supplies and personnel. Cool. Very cool. Well, and now how does it feel to be the only woman in a room of, of, of 30 men? I mean, uh, how, how... that's kind of normal <laughs> in this industry. <laughs> Although um, I do know tons and tons of women in this industry uh, that are uh, coming up and uh, it's just not in my generation. So I am used to that uh, ratio of plenty more men to women, but it's shifting for sure in so many different areas, uh, especially in Pittsburgh and DC and LA. We see a lot more women that are involved in the industry and highly educated. So it's really a, a good thing to see the next generation coming up. That's great. Could you tell us a little bit about Feed the Crew? What, tell me, tell us about that. Yeah, sure. 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 So Feed the Crew came about from the pandemic when we were no longer traveling and seeing each other. And it just I, I have a house full of industry folks here. So we got it in our heads that we wanted to start talking to people and getting voices out there, not just talking on, you know, Facebook or whatever, so that we're typing what we're up to, but to actually have a conversation kind of like when we're on show site and we sit down to have a meal, hence feed the crew. So there are sometimes technical conversations, sometimes personal conversations, and it's just been a, a whole lot of reaching out to the families and seeing what everybody's up to. So well, that's very, that's, that sounds like it's an admirable thing to do. And uh, do they eat a lot? That's what I want to know. Do the crews eat a lot? That you even... <laughs> Well, uh, also with Feed the Crew, one of the best things that you can do for your crew is to feed them. And so that's kind of part of the joke too, is that it's just our family time. It's it's the good parts of our shows, the, the better times of work when we're with our work family and not worrying about the show. You know, you take those that time to sit down and eat and have a conversation. Sometimes it's about the show and sometimes it's not. So we've had, you know, different types of conversations with people. We've even had, you know, women in AV or uh, somebody who's been doing a lot of virtual events to tell us what, you know, what that life has been like. Well, it, it, it's very admirable. And uh, 
I'm sure I speak on behalf of myself when I say, and everybody else uh, hopefully as well in the room, that thanks for doing that. It's it's really good. I think the you know the crews definitely need to eat, and of, <laughs> of you know we 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 are all struggling to stay alive. It, that we own businesses in the room, but the reality is is that you know we have some wherewithal. We've been doing it a long time, but like we we all discussed, the screw the crews make up you know, our, make our lives a little bit easier and we get the job done with them. Uh, so it, the crews are very important. And, and of course, I found that during all of my production experience as a production manager, crews can eat an awful lot. I can tell you that right now. You know, so <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. So thanks for coming. How'd you hear about us, by the way? Uh, AV trainer. So I'm, I, even though I'm here in Houston, I'm originally from the DC area. Ah, AB training. No wonder you won't be on video. I got it. All right. You're taking Oh, no, 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 no. The reason I'm not on video <laughs> is because I'm just sitting here with, it's been a long day and yeah. So just let the hair down, got in the jammies and all that fun stuff. So no, but no video. Just right by now. a show of hands in the room. How many people are texting regularly with AB trainer? <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke, folks. That's an inside joke. I try it's a to small world, Jan. It's a small world. <laughs> It's a small world, but I'd hate to have to paint it. So anyway, I think uh, is, uh, let's just throw this open to the room. Anybody's got anything to say now would be the time to say it. So anybody want to say something, please say it right now. Go ahead. Go. I just want to say something funny was because we've had a couple issues with feeding the crew on my I might have 12 guys, 16 guys on most of my shows. And it was supposed to be done by catering, supposed to be done by food. And so as the shows got bigger we started having four or five food trucks and i just said to him one day i said look why can't you just do let us do food trucks get us some slips give to the guys they're all happy they can go get what they want and it's been the best thing for the last two three years is is no more catering shit i just go here's go to the food trucks you tell me you're on the crew and the guys have loved it so it's like it's worked out really well because food is definitely a major issue you can't get 10 12 hours out of a guy and then go oh wait we're still working no they gotta go eat and then they're happy when after they eat <laughs> exactly well the food trucks must be a great idea right now it's because you can't be doing the buffet anymore i mean i don't think anybody would go into a buffet line no, uh, no matter how much food was in the line so right. now yeah those the, the roach coaches are probably a really good idea i think it's a great idea yeah anyway anybody else have anything that they want to say so we're going to open up for the room to anybody where's the nobody I need okay. a joke of the day. Uh, well, let's, before we get to the joke of the day, let's go to the other segment that I'm really proud of. And that is a moment in time that we've had an experience that makes us really um, proud that we're in this industry. Something that, you know, something that you couldn't have gotten any other way other than being in the industry. And so I who here has got something, that, a moment in time that they would like to share that stands out? Anybody? Ken, do I see your hand? Ken Newman, do I see your hand? I guess I don't see his hand. <laughs> okay, all right. Talk me into it, Jan. So, so, um, so, Jan, Jan and I were talking about this earlier. That there was a funny. I have a lot of funny episodes because I'm a, a kind of a rebellious kind of person, and my personality and celebrities' personalities sometimes no. clash. Uh, sometimes clash. Right? Yeah. You. So, so so anyway so so um 
take take yourself back to 1983. I had a house gig in Atlantic City. I was 20 something years old, right? And I was the head sound guy at the Sands in Atlantic City, but I was tired of the gig. So I had made friends uh, that had come through there. Rick Southern was one of them. John Reed was another one of them. And, uh, and they, uh, you know, I kept in touch with them and I always wanted to find out when I could get back on the road and uh, get do something else besides this silly house gig that I was doing. So it's uh, 1983 and they said, well, we're, we're working with Paul Anka now. Okay, and, and we're, we're trying to take over because Artie Congero, his sound guy that had been with him for like 20 years, uh, got fired or quit or they had an argument or whatever, and he wasn't there anymore. And so why don't you come out to Vegas? We'll see if we can fit you into the crew somewhere. Maybe you can help with something, you know, uh, monitors or something, and uh, we'll, we'll put you to work. So I, so I fly, out to, <laughs> fly out to Vegas, you know, and just like um, blindly, uh, get hooked up with this Paul Anka show. And I don't know if you guys know about Paul Anka, but he's kind of got a reputation for being kind of a, kind of a um, tyrant when it comes to uh, how he treats the crew, right? All right, so we, uh, I go to the, to the showroom. They show me the setup. They uh, let me listen to it a little bit. And, um, and Rick, I think Rick was mixing. Or, no, Rick had turned it over to John at that point. John was mixing. And, uh, and he said, here's what you do. You go, go up on the stage and just hang out by the side of the stage and just keep an eye on things during the show. And then uh, when he goes out in the audience, you go out onto the stage and just face the band and listen to the monitors because, of course, it was all speaker monitors at that point. You know that, right? And there were big VIP uh, speakers left and right and then some uh, RLHs downstage and some wedges. And he said, just listen to the stage for a minute or so and then report back to me. Let me know what you think of the sound on stage. It's like, okay, I can do that, right? So I do that. I'm totally incognito. Nobody knows that I'm there or anything. I'm just the kid in black, right? So I, um, I do that. I come back to the, the mixed position at front of house afterwards. And I told him what I thought of the sound on stage. And he probably didn't change anything based on that. But uh, then after the show, I get, you know, they have the inquisition, the, the typical Paul Anka after show inquisition. He wants to know what happened with the piano solo, what happened to that guitar part, what happened to the trumpet part, all the, th the whole thing about the whole show, what went wrong with each aspect of the show. It comes to the sound and he, he reams John and Rick. Oh, the reverb, this and the blah, blah, all the, the problems, right? And he was really giving them a hard time. And he said, and he looked at me. He said, what about you? You're the new kid. What did you think of the sound? And I said, well, Mr. Anka, you know, when I work with a new performer that I haven't worked with before, I usually ask them what they like it to sound like, which is, of course is true. And, I, you know, everybody likes it to sound different. So what do you like it to sound like? Right. And so he with he didn't even hesitate a bit. He just like got right up in my face. He's like, Grr! you know, and he's shorter, much shorter than me. So he had to stand on his tippy toes to, to get right in my face. And he yells at the top of his lungs. And mind you, there's lots of women in the room and stuff uh, monitoring this whole exchange. And he yells at the top of his lungs. I want to orgasm when I hear myself sing. And I was like, OK, all right. So. <laughs> You know, so we'll put that one down in the book. So let's see, uh, orgasm when he wants to, when he sings. Okay, well that's what I'll go, that's what I'll shoot for. Great, and you know, didn't have anything to say in response to that, but it was, it was definitely a moment. That was the first thing he ever said to me. Is the funny thing. And then years later, I went to work for him for real, 
when Artie was back with him and Artie hired me to work for him. And I ended up working for him for like seven years or so. And uh, we had quite a good r- rapport. But that was the first thing he ever said to me. Pretty, pretty strange, I thought. There are two kinds of monitors, the kinds that where you, where you need a mop and pail after and the kind where you don't. And now we know why you've been with him for seven years. That's a lot of orgasms he's had. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious what the, what plugin you use for that. It's just, that's the question. Yeah, that's the, that's, Artie, used to, Artie used to say, does that thing have a penis port on it? Oh, funny, funny. So actually, in, since you have now divined the wisdom of the ages for what it is that Mr. Anka really wanted in that mix, can you break it down to three things, maybe four things that he actually was kind of expecting that to sound like, or did that just change every day with, you know, what he had for lunch before he walked in for sound check? Uh, he would, wow, I'm listening to something here, but uh, I love you. Okay, great. Uh, so I, uh, am I hearing somebody else or is that part of our meeting? I think we're hearing I'm Paul hearing, Anka in the background. Yeah, I think I'm we're hearing, hearing Paul Anka singing it my way. Yeah, I'm hearing <laughs> <Okay>. a song. <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, he no, he was very consistent. He was very consistent, and he just wanted, as Artie would say, he just wanted it to sound good. And his definition of good sound was just basically good sound. Like you go in a studio, bring up a rough mix, a good mix, make it sound good, and some nice reverb on the vocal, make it sound good, he's happy. So he was very consistent. He's, he's cool. Thank you for sharing that. Does anybody else have a story that they'd want to share? Anybody else have, have a story? Somebody in the room must have a story. Come on. You who's can't got a top story? That story Jay. You can't top that story, Jay. All right. Come on. If, if that's the case, we'll have to wait till next week. So for those people who are, are, are thinking about uh, tuning in next week for the next story, now you have a reason to tune in for the next week. All right. So I guess I guess we're ready for the joke of the day. I guess I guess what it comes down to. It's always it's always a challenge when somebody says, well, I'm going to tell you a joke because then, you know, if you don't laugh, it's like one of those things. Oh, my God. Why did he tell that joke in the first place? You know, uh, so basically this Should we uh, unmute so you can hear on, it. What was that? Should we all unmute so you can hear our laughs? Oh, you don't, you know, I, you know, being a stand-up comedian for so many years prior to this career, uh, I found out that it just doesn't work if you're not funny. So I've already been in many a room where I thought some of the stuff I was doing was grade A material, not a peep from the audience, not a peep, I tell you. And that's why, uh, that's why I've, uh, I've left and started uh, selling sound equipment. <laughs> much more rewarding, much more rewarding. Anyway, before I tell the joke, is there anybody hey, else that has did you, did you see Fred just that he was walking through somewhere? It looked like he's got his Wolverine tongs out. He's probably ready to do some cabling. That's that's probably what he's doing. No, 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 no. I'm walking out to the grill. You know, fork in my hand. Uh-huh. So is it or is it not a Wolverine you're preparing for dinner? No, no. I was actually I walked in. My wife was having some. Uh, trouble with her pacemaker today she was having some issues she i got homes we were supposed to have cornish game hens and then uh, i walked in and just, i was like where's she at and i go find her in the bedroom and she's not been doing real well so no, I I hope she's doing okay i'm sorry to hear that you know sorry to hear that i hope she's doing well hope she's doing well anyway so this guy comes home from work one day and uh he opens the door and his wife is right there and she says honey the, the cat died 
And he says, oh my God, I've had such a hard day and I come home and all you do is tell me that the cat died. Couldn't you have told me something else first? Couldn't you have made up a story? Couldn't you have made me feel bad? You know how I love that cat. Couldn't you have said like, you know, honey, a funny thing happened. You know, the cat was up on the roof and he was playing with a ball and a wind blew him off. And unfortunately the cat is dead. You know, couldn't you have said something like that? He was on the roof, blah, blah, blah. She says, look, you're right. I'm so sorry. It'll never happen again. I hope you could forgive me. And so he forgives her. About uh, three months later, he comes home and he's had a really rough day and his wife meets him at the door and he says, hi, honey, you'll never guess. Your mother was up on the roof. Anyway, that's the joke of the day. Uh, there you go. I hope you uh, all appreciated that joke. That's from, that's from Capricorn One, the movie Capricorn One. It was in there. I, I didn't know that. Well, anyway, that's the joke of the day. Hey, I thank everybody who's watching us on YouTube and Facebook uh, for uh, coming in and watching us. Remember, you can participate in the panel if you like. All you got to do is uh, DM me for the link. Actually, I think I put the link now back below. So uh, you can just click and you could be on the panel and, and add your own comments and tell your own jokes and tell your own stories about things. But just remember, you make it happen. Stay safe and sound and happy and I hope you're working and we'll see you again next week at this time. So for those people on social media, adios muchachos, we will see you again real soon. See you next week. And we are off the air. Oh, how nice. And let's stop this rainbow recording. there for a minute. <laughs>